is a superhero movie what do you think (laughs) yes it's uh it's a subtle superhero movie meaning it i guess because of the the approach it's not your it's not a marvel movie it's not a dc movie it um blends i guess it does blend a couple of couple of genres um it does feel very much on the surface like a drama film with magical realism elements so it's playing it's in that playground where it's playing with a lot of different uh genre conventions in order to just tell a story about um a generation um generations of um women these women just um, so happen to be black yeah and i think it yeah it's subtle it's um it, it's, it's not flashy uplif- it's not flashy it's uplifting and yeah i just i don't know i really love it and we're talking about fast color um directed by julia hart um it was written and uh, co-written and directed by julia hart and um it a uh, 2018 movie i believe and uh it's been under the radar and i think it kind of popped into my head because i saw um, it was going to be playing on a, a channel here called Hollywood Suite. And um, I was just like, wow, people are missing out if they don't see this movie. Um, and it's a fantasy sci-fi drama with so much heart. And um, yeah, I don't know. Wh- when did you first discover it, um, Ashley? I kind of don't remember i didn't want to sidebar for a second and ask mm-hmm. about hollywood suite is that a streaming service or like a tv channel where um, you are it's so it's a part of uh it's a canadian channel that's on amazon prime and oh. they sh- yeah and they show like um just different Uh, eras of film so if you're looking for something from the 70s or the 80s or the 90s I love it I actually um uh full disclosure I actually write for the website and um I've done like little kind of blurbs for their um a year in film I do the podcast so I'm very familiar with it and I really love the channel um just even before I even started doing stuff for them um yeah, it just has a lot of like gems where you're like, oh, you know, I kind of feel like this film. Or if you, you know, need research uh, films like from different eras and you can't really find it, usually you'll be able to find a title. So I was really thrilled to see they had Fast Color um, on Hollywood Suite. It's just really, I don't know, uh, it's a film that I really, 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 really love. And I actually can't remember where I, I thought it was. I thought you put it on my radar. I feel like did you see it at a film festival? I yeah, I would have. I feel like I would have remembered if I saw it at a film festival. So no, okay. Um, okay. I I just I probably just watched it streaming too. But I don't. I, I think just the last couple of years have been a blur. I think 
2020 has made everyone not remember what life was like before. So <laughs> a lot of details get like lost in the weeds. So I don't uh, have a strong recollection of the wins and wares. I know even just um, not recently, not recently, Stephanie Williams on Twitter, um, who people, I think she's Steph I am on Twitter. I forget, but um, now uh, is a comic book writer. So she's been doing that now. I'm really happy for her. And she ta- always talks about how much she loves this, loves this movie and kind of brings it up every now and then and says um, how Fast Color is like, you know, one of the better films she's seen. And she's really focused on, um, she's really, really focused uh, uh, on Black female characters in sci-fi comic book superhero that those genres so that's that's her wheelhouse it's what she's been kind of like uh evangelizing is that the word (laughs) yeah (laughs) on on social media and in her um work and i I just kind of love that we all have these like lanes um that we are very specific in so um and even though you know whether because I, I don't particularly like the word expert bestowed upon me, so I, I wouldn't call her an expert unless she um, is comfortable with that title. But she is someone that she's someone's opinion and perspective on this kind of work that I respect. And if she's saying it's good and worthy of looking at, then that's something I would consider. And also, it's it's Gugu Mbatha Raw who kind of like crushes like every. Uh, story that she's in <laughs> even uh the cloverfield paradox i think that's what it was called yes you're gonna yeah. watch it because she's in it um mm-hmm. not only just for her looks but also because she's re- really really talented and she's one of those i talk about this a lot loving uh actors who are versatile in their roles who wants to mm-hmm. want to do a whole bunch of different kinds of things and i think gugu is one of those uh actresses if given the opportunity yeah, I fell in love with her um, when I saw Belle. I was just like, oh, my God, who is this woman? Like, mm-hmm. you know, she was so good. And um, Beyond the Light, she was really great in that, too. And that's where um, the director, Julia Hart, saw her and um, decided, like, the role of Ruth was going to Gugu. So, And let me just kind of backtrack here and uh, give you a synopsis of the film Fast Color. So I'm just going to read this off of, I had done a write-up on my website, so I'm just going to read it off of that. Um, So sometime in the near future, society has finally succumbed to environmental wrongs, and there's been no rain for eight years. Water is highly priced and rationed, and the world is a dusty, arid place. Mm -hmm. Ruth is a woman with an incredible power that subjects her to uncontrollable seizures. She's struggled with it um, and addiction for years, And when she almost causes a personal tragedy with her abilities, she runs from her problems. Uh, She leaves her daughter, Lila, to be raised by her mother, Bo, and decides to return to her roots and mend her relationship with both Bo and Lila. But she's also a target for scientists who know what what she can do. And uh, she leaves her secret and her family in jeopardy. And it stars uh, Gugu Mbatha-Ra as Ruth, Sonia Sydney as Lila and Lorraine Toussaint as Bo. So great cast. Also, David Strathern's in it. I love him. He's so handsome. He's just, he just seems like such a gentle soul. I think I saw him in something recently and he played a bad guy. I'm like, really? I can't. He's just seems like such a nice man. But um, 
yeah, uh, Chris Denham plays a scientist, and I like him too. He always does these quirky roles. So it's a great, great cast um, and such a great story. So the other guy, he plays Dean, right? The former guy you just mentioned. Uh, who, David Strathern? Yes. I'm sorry. I, I'm terrible with names initially. Uh, he, uh, His name's Ellis in the, the movie. That's Bose. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I thought his name was Dean. Yeah, I don't movie. know. Why. Yeah, it says Ellis. Oh. Yeah. Wait a minute. I could have I, I sworn he was called Dean in the movie, but by all means. Yeah, he's he's uh, Ruth's dad. Yeah, I thought yeah, that was yeah. what his name was. What? Yeah. what? Did, we, did I watch a different? <laughs> did I watch a different version where his name was different in the movie? Because I swear his name was Dean in that movie. Mm, interesting. Maybe there is someone named Dean in the movie. Just looking. Never mind then. Mm. I'll yeah. Anyway. You. Yeah. Okay. I don't yeah. know where I got Dean from. I am so. I'm not even that bad with names. Like I got like so this semester I'm teaching 15 students and I pretty much got everyone da- down. Oh. Like there are three <laughs> students and I'm mixing up, but pre- I pretty much know everyone's name more or less. But yeah, but like I so I feel really terrible for getting these characters name names wrong. But <laughs> hey, man, there's a lot of characters. I have, to I, write I have to write them down. So. Yeah, and I, I did write them down, and I wrote his name down. I'm all confident, like, that was his character's name, and clearly not, because <laughs> my brain for the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I I think the first thing when you were that very wonderful, thorough synopsis, and I'm not even blowing smoke, that really was great, it made me, it, it, it prompted me to, you know, think about the idea that you can run away from your problems and your emotions, but you're always going to come back around to them because you have to get to a point where you have to face them in order to move through life, move on. Cause there's always going to be that turmoil and it's not going to be on an everyday basis, but it's going to be chronic. And I think Ruth, um, the story propelled her the science the, the scientists act as that foil they're that they're that side kind of like entity or space or character like they're they're actual physical manifestations but they forced her to go back home they do because that's she finds she finds safety there right she finds like that she goes back to her roots and um when she goes back it's to her ancestral home because that home has been there for all the women in that family for generations. So it's really interesting how she does literally go back to her roots and like this outside force is kind of making her go back there. So it's, it's really, I I find that uh, such a, um, a fascinating and strong point in the film. And, you know, it's still, I still reel from the fact that um, Julia Hart didn't start out writing this movie about black women she just Mm -hmm. kind of you know she she decided that once she saw um goo goo in her you know in beyond the light she was like oh this movie is for her and that changes the dynamic of the film when you have three generations of black women who are uh, suppressing their power so that they stay unnoticed and that they kind of uh, you know appease the powers that be 
mm-hmm. then they realize, no, this isn't this isn't doing anybody any good. We have to be who we are. Like that is that blows my mind every time I watch this movie. It's it's for me. It's a very emotional film because it's. I feel like we go through that as black women all the time. We like you know don't rock the boat, but then what good is that doing anyone? You know. Yeah, it, that's it's these are that's very complicated. Um, even for myself, even the, to well to think about her going back home as a safety net. See, that's even kind of like murky for me because I don't even know if she feels, especially initially, like I don't even know if she felt safe at home because I think the other piece of this film is the conflict that she has with her mother. Mm-hmm. And or and also not even the conflict of that, but also the guilt of having to leave, um, to leave, to leave Lila, number one. But I think before, even before that, the guilt of like, her abilities almost costing Lila her life. Mm-hmm. And that just was so traumatizing that she felt like she wouldn't even be go- a good mother or good to her if she stayed around, which is one of the reasons why she left. So, or left um, her daughter with uh, um, Bo or Bonnie. So, so the safety thing, so that even calls into like, what is, what is safe to her initially? Because even there's, even still static when her and Bonnie are interacting. Like she doesn't, Bonnie doesn't even allow her in the home at first. She has to um, mm-hmm. sleep in the barn and she brings her her food. Um, of course, this kind of like, it, uh, finally she does um, reunite with um, Lila. And again, we can kind of talk about that. Uh, my um, my articulation or my language for that isn't fully formed um, when I'm t- when I'm thinking about these things because there's so much going on and there's so much to talk about because again everything about a film is intentional so even yeah the house itself you're right it, that's a character that's one of those things where a house or an object is a character in and of itself because it represents um, it brings it brings out it helps propel the story forward in a way mm-hmm. um, the home is filled with uh, it's a very simplistic house. There's nothing um, lavish about it. Um, also, the fact that they live out in like the middle of nowhere, essentially, quote unquote, you know. So inside the house, there are a lot of family photos. Um, there's a lot of family heirlooms, like when uh, Ruth is talking about how uh, that used to be her bowl, the bowl, and what that perhaps perhaps represents. It represents a kind of generational passing on. Mm-hmm. Um, even even more overtly, the book that. Um, uh, Bo is reading from that her great grandmother and her mother had written in um, just to keep uh, track of like just as like a journal of things like a like a um, like just basically recording history essentially. Uh, so I, I really like that you say that and also yeah I mean clearly this not clearly but like I do feel like um, Hart and her co-writer this this clearly was not written with the intention um, with uh, the intention of um, race at all like it's just it's a movie about you know these female characters who are going through this and i think that's kind of um i think that's kind of cool uh that you know you could just cast anyone and that's what it was done because remember because i've talked we've talked about this one-on-one when no one else is listening but like i kind of get annoyed with the with the question that white creatives often ask is like how can i be more inclusive and i'm just like just hire people mm-hmm. like um you know, someone who is now in my life, like he has movies and he's friends with 
men who don't look like him and so and women and he and if they're actors and performers he hires those people <laughs> you know what i mean it's just as simple mm-hmm. as that you're looking for um characters who can pull if you're telling a genre story or any kind of story that's about the human experience you're just you know you have to cast with intention of seeing those people as human beings like you and then you hire them or you play a big role and incorporating them in your work. And you listen to those performers because those performers are giving you their labor. They're giving you their time and their energy and their artistic vision as well. And that, that you, you're straddling that line um, of, you know, you're, you're, you're working with that person. No matter, it's what, whatever your directorial approach may be to your work or your story. Um, and also you mentioned, yeah, so then that hiding thing, you're right. Um, I guess we'll get to that when we talk about the end, because I do have, now that I've watched it a couple of times, I do kind of have issues with the ending. It doesn't take away mm-hmm. from this movie being great, but it's just like, did that really have to happen? Just from mm-hmm. for thought out as I was thinking. But yeah, uh, there's a lot of like, I constantly say on a day-to-day basis, I hope my day job doesn't give me an ulcer because <laughs> I'm constantly having to deal with like, you know, and 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 and, and they and white folks think they slick. Like, no, I see you can feel the tense, the tense and a, a tense aggression or microaggression or whatever you want to call it towards me being here. Just you you know, the way you would communicate with me, like the correspondence, there's just the not, it's, yeah, because you want to, you want to unleash that superpower. You want to be able to be who you are, but to a certain point, you can't be. Just, mm-hmm. you know, the things that are done where I'm kind of low-key kind of disgusted that certain actions have been taken and they're not, and people don't, people don't reap the consequences of their actions or their behaviors. And it's, it's, and it's, and it's, it sucks and I don't like it. And I, and no one should have to work under those conditions. Um, and there's a particular, yeah, there's a, there, there is a, there's a hiding, not a, a hiding or a suppression or just let me be professional because I got bills to pay. So, mm-hmm. and, and, and as a, as a broad, as a reach of a parallel to that, it's um, with fast color. Um, these women are hiding to preserve themselves, but they shouldn't have to hide to preserve themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like I'm rant. Uh, sorry, I try. I'm trying not to apologize for me kind of just speaking fluidly, but <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to undo that kind of. I'm trying to undo that uh, that rhetoric or everyday kind of like thing that um, sometimes we do as uh, people who, ident- who identify as women. Um, so. Yeah, I, that, those are the kinds of just thoughts I just was initially kind of having about fast color as well. Well, yeah, and I just like to bounce off of those those thoughts for sure. Like, you know, if the, if I swear if a black women had like a ticker tape board on above their heads of what they really thought. <laughs> Oh boy! If we had that, if we had a, if we had an anger translator, we had, yes, we had a Luther, so basically. Running, yeah, running commentary. It would not be nice because it's yeah. You really do have to bite your tongue in these instances and in spaces where we're not often seen or we're not welcome. So, or like just in the workplace where you know a comment coming from you is gonna 
be translated into angry, whereas a comment coming from a white coworker is going to be, yeah, like that's food for thought, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> it's a different translation when they see you as a black woman. And also, um, you know, back to the collaborative thing, um, it was really interesting to me. I'll, I'll post the link on our, um, our show notes because they did a really cool interview. I think it's called the movie report recorded a really cool Q&A after a screening of Fast Color. And Gugu was there and the director, uh, Julia Hart, was there. She co-wrote it with her husband. I believe his name is Jordan Horowitz. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, she was talking about collaboration. And she said once she decided it was going to be a generation of Black women, she uh, and her husband, the co-writer, they sat down with the cast. They workshopped what the characters would be saying. To the point where Lorraine Toussaint, who plays um, Bo, went through the house and rearranged it in accordance to what her character would want. So Mm -hmm. that, to me, is the height of collaboration. And she also talked about uncentering yourself as a white director and a white writer. Yeah. And saying, you know, stop writing about yourself. Like, um, and t- she taught, oh my God, she went on a ra- rant about gatekeeping and white gatekeepers. <laughs> it was, it's brilliant. It's really good. Um, and it's a really enjoyable Q and a, because the questions are really good for once, <laughs> uh, no shade will shade anyway. And, um, yeah, it's just really, it's really interesting how she went in thinking, okay, this is not about me. This is a story about these characters and I need these actors who are black women to tell me how this character would react. And I think that's really important. And also the bowl. I really, you know, I've watched this movie several times and the bowl really, for some reason, it's just a, a small prop, but it's a bowl that Ruth had that um, broke and then they, they glued it together. And then Lila uses it to show her power, the how she can kind of, make it disintegrate and put it back together. And it's just such a, an interesting symbol in this movie because it's like, you know, the resilience, I guess, of these women and the family that's, you know, and it's just this little blue bowl. And I just think it really, it represents a lot about the resilience and how it can be built back up and with their strength and their persistence and determination I don't know that that's I'm just talking mm-hmm. off the top of my head, but yeah, the yeah. bowl is pretty significant. So something, something that is uh, broken can be mended, which I think is just a metaphor for the relationships that they have with each other and themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, um, Lila's too young to really, f- I mean, she's a smart kid, but she hasn't lived enough life to kind of like have these 360 perspectives. But yeah, um, something that's broken can can come back together again. It's not, mm-hmm. you can, there's there's always space and room for healing and the, healthy healing. And if you can, you know, what if you, if you find that within a church, within God, within something, whatever you can, wherever you find healing at an AA meeting or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. can be, whatever feels healing to you. If you, there, if there are parts of you that feel broken or fragmented, you can, you have the power to 
bring it to to bring it together again and it's and it's a process and i think that's why the story kind of like goes through and it shows you those kind of quick flashbacks of like of you know this has been a, a lifelong journey for these women to come to this place where they are now mm-hmm. and how lila kind of represents that you know you know when bonnie says someone will get it right she's they're hoping lila does yeah, um, I hear that. I hear this rhetoric a lot, especially in like in spiritual circles, it, for lack of a better term. Like, you know, are there things in your are there, are there things in your family that you have broken or can break, or want or even want to break, honestly, or don't, or, or are you cognizant of it and you want to break it? Like, um, I think about that for even my family as well, and. And also, like you know, secrets too, because I think um, there's a lot in this in this film. There's a lot. There's you know, more than once you hear you didn't tell her. Like you hear that in this movie more than once. Yeah, and it's that thing where like families are constantly keeping secrets. And I think uh, I haven't done everything right in my life. Obviously, no one has. But like, as far as if we if you think if you are cognizant or if you even care to think about. You know, things that happen each generation. The one thing I want to try to do is my at my most adamant attempt at a flawless victory. One segment of it is to like cut that secret shit out. For example, it was kept secret from my mother that she was adopted. Um, I can't get. I don't want to get into too much stuff about me because it's a little too painful and a little too personal to be sharing right here. But again, secrets have just like killed. Secrets are not good. <laughs> um, I've I've learned in my life experience that secrets are not good, and they hurt people, and they hurt. Uh, and at the end of the day, they hurt you as a person. So, and that's the one thing. Like if if I have children or with my niece, I'm not going to keep secrets. I know what should be revealed in particular certain times, or how to say things um, with mm-hmm. care with when you're dealing with you know younger people and not adults. Clearly. But I don't believe in lying. I don't believe in keeping secrets. I don't believe in holding things. And in Fast Color, you do see that. Like, why doesn't Lila know who her grandfather is? Or why doesn't Lila have a full understanding of what her mother had gone through? Because then the the child was angry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, well, secrets, um, basically secrets are based in fear, right? Because Mm. the person holding the secret is afraid of the outcome. Or, uh, you know, and it's kind of you project that outcome and it's going to be catastrophic or, you know, person's going to be angry or whatever. But if you, I think that you prolong that secret, person's going to be angrier, you know, you just, it, it is, it's based in fear. And there's a lot of fear in this movie that people, they don't want to face up to, to whatever the deal is for, you know, like Ruth or um, even Bo not, not really telling Lila about ruth or you know like it's just and it's so complex too Mm -hmm. like secrets just complicate things so much that yeah it's better to just be honest and deal with the consequences as they happen because the longer a secret sits there it just festers you know so Yeah. yeah i totally agree that they're harmful and I know why they are hiding. That that does make total sense because, mm-hmm. and again, you can you you're, it, it, it's 
it's been said better, but it's the idea of if when you put when you are censoring non-white people in your narrative, there's always going to be the interpretation of how this plays uh, racially. Mm-hmm. The the similarities between what's happening on screen and what happens in the world consistently, what happens with this particular people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's like uh, uh, black women, just as one example, because this is who, this is who is centered in the movie and how, yeah, like constantly being mined for um, our bodies, our intellect, our cultural, our culture, our style. And very simply put, this is kind of what this movie does a little bit. These these uh, white male scientists are in pursuit of these women to mine them for what they have, what they innately have, mm-hmm. and how frightening that is for uh, Bonnie's Bonnie's family. Um, I would just I took a I took a moment to kind of think about my next thought. I, I learned that from Hel- Heather Matarazzo. Is that how you pronounce her name? Matarazzo, you you know the actress from Welcome to the Dollhouse. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I think that's her name. That's her real name. And I, because I, I, I said that. Me, uh, sorry. Let me let me clear up the reference. So, I've listened to her podcast, and what she does is she'll just like she'll have a thought, and then she'll take a she'll take a beat, and then there's silence, and then she'll think about her next thought. I love. I when she did that, I was just like, she made me feel so much better about yeah. not just rapidly having something clever to say all the time yeah. when you're, especially when you're having a conversation with someone or your conversations being recorded for other people to kind of um, consume. Mm-hmm. And so, but I, so I really like that. I really like the thoughtfulness, not because she's afraid of saying something that, you know, will put her in hot water with anyone. It's just really about being thoughtful with the words that come out of your mouth. So yeah. um, I'm trying to learn to do that uh, and just to be, because patience is my, my kryptonite. It's not, it's not <laughs> something that comes naturally to me in any aspect of my existence. So I, it's something I truly need to practice. And so, and that's the same thing with my words, just kind of just letting things just kind of sit. You know, Ooh. um. So that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to think, like, what was my next idea? Because, because again, we're just kind of talking about very profound things, but like probably things. Probably we're we're probably like, oh, this is kind of just old hat. But probably because we 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 grapple with these things every day because we are two women who have to experience these intersections. So it's yeah. constantly on our on our brains. Constantly. <laughs> <laughs> constantly, yeah. Uh. And it's the same thing for these characters too. I'm sorry, were you going to say something? <laughs> no, I just was going to say, I wish it wasn't so, con- I wish I could just be like, meh, it is what it is, you know, but sometimes it's just hard to It's just yeah. let it go. Yeah. It's just the added stress. Like when you hear about, when you hear about like scientific studies done by people that are saying, yeah, people who experience race and discrimination, uh not necessarily that we have a shorter lifespan, but it does add to the health condition. It adds to our stress levels. It adds to our overall, it adds, it adds, it's a damper on our overall health is probably the best way to describe it. And you're just like, fuck this man. Like, you're just like, like, like I can't like, you know what I mean? So that's why, especially as we, we're, we're both older, you're older than we've, I mentioned you being older than me, but I'm, I'm getting up in that age too, where it's just like now stress is really starting to affect my physical health. And like, I try to avoid, 
avoid these things, win in if I can, or strategize a plan <laughs> to not yeah. have to like deal with these kind of stressors on a daily basis. I'm hoping soon, sooner rather than later. We're, well, you know, I don't like <laughs> that's a that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, I mean, and it's the same thing. I mean, imagine being Ruth. I mean, the opening of this film is Ruth running. Yeah. She const- she's constantly on a run. She's constantly hypervigilant. She has to carry a gun, um, constantly hypervigilant of just being discovered. Yep. And I was going to say, like, you imagine if our stress came out as, like, you know, these powers where it can make it rain or we could disintegrate a door or something. So they're lucky, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's. And that's probably what this, this is like real other great interpretation of this film. Maybe that's what it is. And because, again, because it's just like, is this a whole, again, can you interpret this as another narrative where Black women are once again, quote, saving the world mm-hmm. um, and saving people from themselves and being the, the bearers of all the good things, but we're, we're, not, we're not given anything back. You know what I mean? There's no, mm-hmm. um, there's no reciprocity there, you know, or things like that. Uh, but yeah, but, but, then I, but then I also thought about them just like, well, it's not just about like, black women are also saving other black people and also other just people in general mm-hmm. with with what they can do like when how ruth when she's able when she was able to kind of you might understand this better than me but how she was able to have that breakthrough and her breakthrough allowed the sky to, the sky to open like they said and it was mm-hmm. and they was able to rain and that this environmental disaster she was able to rectify it and it went away yeah. No, yeah, I I totally agree. And it's like, yeah, I think that is the one issue with the film is like, you know, can I didn't. Okay, so let me backtrack. So um, Julia Hart uh, directed another film called I think it's called I am I'm your woman. And it's about like um, a mobster's wife. And she has to go into hiding with a baby he brings home to her. It's not their baby. Anyway, brings her baby home it's like hey we got a baby and then he disappears and so this uh his friend this black man has to take her and hide her put her into hiding and then there's uh the man's wife actually i forget her name but she was in loose she played um hmm. octavia spencer's sister the sister with oh. mentally ill sister. yeah i mm-hmm. love that actress i have to look up her name but so she plays the um the black guy's wife and again this is another character who kind of has to take care of business you know it's really interesting because the two women end up being um the ones that kind of have to take care of things and you know resolve these mobsters and whatever but it's funny because i guess as black women we often see that and it's unintentional i'm sure but initially i guess unintentional but black women often have to take on this huge undertaking because we just get it done i don't know is that too simplistic no it's not too simplistic but that's that shouldn't always be our narrative Mm-hmm. Um, that's I, I, that's probably why insecure is so widely celebrated now clearly not everyone likes it um mm-hmm. And that's but that's always going to be thing. Art is always going to be subjective, and you're always going to have um, the the yayers and the nayers. But 
insecure is so celebrated because it complicates those issues and those narratives. And yeah, we think about it, we, we we think about when we think about it like full circle, how it ended. It ended with Issa. She ended up with Lawrence, you know, mm-hmm. whether you like that or not. But she did. She got. She's with the man she wanted to be with, and she was also able to. You, you saw the growth of her and her career and how that was an extension of her own self-confidence and her tapping into her strengths as a leader and also tapping into her passions as um, someone who loves art, the arts and performing and um, bringing together black businesses and people and her love for her, uh, the love, the love that she has for Inglewood, I believe, (laughs) or her, or where she is from California. So all those, all those things kind of came together and, she wasn't out there. These characters weren't out there saving anyone. They were being, they were existing and get in and, and getting everything that they wanted, but it wasn't without a hard fought battle and whatever, whatever's the next chapter is for Kelly, Molly, Issa, and, uh, oh my God, what is Amanda Seals' character's name? Tiffany. 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 Thank yeah. you. And whatever's next for them is not going to not come without conflict, but it is really about them just living their lives and not saving anyone, but exactly, sa- you know, supporting each other and making sure that they are better people for themselves and for their loved ones. And that's, that's how it should kind of be. And that's the perfect world scenario, more or less. Well, they're, hu- they're humans. They're living out their lives. They're making mm-hmm. mistakes. They're pissing each other off. They're showing humanity as, you know, it should be <laughs> instead of us being like these, you know, mules for for the world where we carry yes. the weight of the world and, oh, you know, it's okay. We'll take care of it. It's like, you know, like I, I really liked seeing um, Molly and Issa kind of fracture their friendship for a little bit and, mm-hmm. you know, then come back because that shows like it's a relationship. And like with all relationships, they have highs and lows and, you know, Issa's making mistakes and, and, and just sleeping with these guys who just, ugh, you know, <laughs> but she's doing it because she wants that connection. She wants to have sex and why not? And, you know, Molly is, is so, I think Molly is kind of the figure who wants to show that she can handle it all, but she can't, she's human. Mm-hmm. And I really, yeah, it's just, it's so great that mm-hmm. Issa Rae created the show that showed the humanity of black women. We're, we're people, we're well-rounded, flawed, ridiculous, fun, lovable, sometimes not lovable people. Absolutely. And I, and it's, it's different with this, with Fast Color, because we are in the context of, you know, again, magical realism and this and the super, and the superhero movie and superheroes are usually extending their abilities to it's, it's for the many, not just for Mm -hmm. the few. Mm -hmm. And these characters just so happen to be black. So that's, that complicates matters where there's a historical narrative of us always taking care of others and not taking care of ourselves or each other. Mm-hmm. So that's why this gets a little complicated. That's why at the end, now that again, now that I've seen it a couple of dozen times, where I'm just like, I don't know if I'm okay with Lorraine Toussaint or Bonnie or Bo <laughs> saying you can take me. Yeah, I like, no, 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 you can't. Like, why should yeah. they, you know? Yep. 
Yep. I mean, and then I feel like it's softened. I actually took the quote from the film because I was reading an article and she says, um, this is a uh, who basically at the ending of the film, sorry, you guys need to watch it, but I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil it for you. Um, so watch the film. If, if you haven't seen it, stop listening, <laughs> go watch <laughs> it and then come back. Um, but at the end of the film, um, Ruth finds her power, makes it rain. And the, um, Lila uh, is also trying to, you know, escape from these scientists who've kidnapped, well, taken her in. And so Bo is coming in to save her granddaughter and her daughter. And so she's like, you're not going to touch these children, you know, Ruth and Lila. You're taking me because I know the whole story. And then she says, you're scared because the world is dying and you don't know how to stop it. But I do. A new world is coming. This is only the beginning. So that's kind of like rallying the troops. It's triumphant. She's saying, you know, we're going to like, you know, I'm a, this lowly black woman, but I, I'm going to save the world because I know what's happening. Right. I mean, you could see it as a rallying cry, but I also, after watching it, I'm like, oh, again, <laughs> you know, again, we got to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's that was probably my biggest if, issue after watching it. Uh, it's, you know, I don't know necessarily a solution. Um, I've heard one propose, like, you know, why can't they just all three go back home together? Just like if you have these powers, I'm just like, well, you're not going to do ish, you know? Like, you, like, you know, I'm going to be with my family and we're going to pre- preserve who we are and continue um, and be strong. But, you know, I don't know if that's the narrative that they wanted to tell. Like, again, it's 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 because I guess the bigger story is the environmental disaster, the mm-hmm. the, the lack of water. You know what I mean? The, um, yeah. Like the world is dying. Mm-hmm. And what is the solution is, again, I don't know. You like is is that the bigger story here or am I missing something? I think so, too. And I wonder if because they did workshop that script with the actors. So I'm, I'm assuming the cast had a say in how that ending would be conveyed. And maybe that's what they wanted, you know? Um, And I do, I do think that it is um, the bigger picture of like that environmental disaster. And I think, you know, there's a history of black people and the environment and being, the ones that work the land and I don't know I think it's kind of almost like a a full circle as well where you know black people uh were the backbone of like economic progress right yeah Mm -hmm. so I feel like in a way it's kind of full circle so and I don't know if it's uh avoidable you know Mm. in a way yeah yeah I don't know if it's avoidable I, I would be nice but also, you know, the thing is, unfortunately, like the director, Julie Hart, she said, this film isn't about race. It's about generational. Yeah. And that's true to a point. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, and I, f- I wonder if this is just an aside. I wonder if um, white directors and white writers avoid putting black people in like a majority black cast, because then they're like, oh, well, then it's about race, you know? Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's, 
we're we're looking at we can look at it through or there through uh, through that lens because mm-hmm. yeah you are automatically but again at the same time we were just telling the sto- the, a story about the human exist existence mm-hmm. and if you say oh I can't put black characters in my thing because it's about race you're kind of erasing that humanity aspect a little bit if that yep. makes any sense like then you're not why can't I, I oh so we don't experience emotions and do dumb things and have certain behaviors like everyone else. Yep. There's a lot of cult, there's a lot of cultural differences, but then that even gets um, complicated too, because there are a whole bunch of different black people on this planet having varying experiences. Yep. There are some black people who are adopted by white folks. Like there are, you know, you don't know, or there are some black people who are stone cold niggas. Like you, like it (laughs) runs the gamut. Of the of the, of what of what a black person how a black person experiences life family culture what they what they gravitate towards, you know what I mean. So that's it. That's a weak excuse. But. Perfect example is um, we we were talking um, amongst ourselves about Archive eighty one where it's just about this young man discovering this mysterious, you know, uh, underground cult and and he's. Uh, oh my god, I love this actor. Um, it's a Ma- Mamudu uh, Athi. Oh my god, I love his face. He's so beautiful. Anyway, <laughs> um, and he's just this young black guy who happens to be an archivist, and and he's going through depression, and he's had trauma that's not related to his race. And I just, I don't know when we were uh, messaging each other about it, that really struck me as something very important that he is a person and yes, he took this very weird job, but why not? You know, mm-hmm. he, he's not taking it because he's black and he's like, Oh, black people don't do that. No, he's taking right. it because he's like, got a nice sum of money coming, you know? Cause we had that conversation and I mentioned to you, I'm just like, we got, okay. Cause this is, cause you, cause you know, this would, this would, this would be the kind of TV series where I'm, I'm rolling my eyes now where someone would be like, Oh, black people don't do that. Like when he was going exploring, when he was going exploring the space that he was in to kind of unearth, you know, every the the, the things that don't feel right or feel sketchy. When he was like feeling in the walls, like something is behind here, and he was mm. doing all the investigation. And we can't have it both ways. You can't bitch about not having black people in genre work and not just let them, not not giving them that that room to be exploratory. Like we, like we don't have the privilege to explore or to make certain decisions. And that's, that, that goes back to like the whole thing. Like um, the woman who wrote the dark fantastic, Ebony Elizabeth, she kind of talks about that in a really beautiful way. I think in her introduction where she kind of talks about like how, like her, like I think it was her mom or whatever, didn't allow her to explore or to be, or to imagine Mm-hmm. to be different things, to want different things, to search for different things. And it's like this thing that like black people do historically, like we, we're not allowed to be exploratory because it's dangerous um, because historically people have been lynched, all these things. I get that. But when are we going to change that narrative? Like when mm-hmm. are we going to at least try, try, <laughs> especially in fiction? Yeah. We can be as creative as we want to be. Yeah. So I think we should be able to do that. And I think that's what Archive 81 does very well. Even the realm of like, not yeah, not all black people are are, are uh, raised as Christians or Catholics. 
mm-hmm. um, or have or raised or, ra- or raised with any kind of spiritual grounding. Um, that's the general consensus. That's the joke. That's the comic view go to when there's a segment of, of a series of comics talking about being in a Baptist church. Sure, mm-hmm. but that's not everyone's experience. And so you have him and his black family who have a a direct or indirect tie. I didn't finish the, the series. You did. And we won't spoil it because right, I haven't yeah, finished no. it, but it has yeah. this tie to this, like a, a cult or a cult or a cult or a cultist cult or whatever you want to call it. There's a connection mm-hmm. there. And I found that really fascinating, especially as the, the I have yet to, I'm two episodes, I have two episodes left. The mystery behind his father has not been fully revealed to me or I don't fully understand it just yet. And I find, mm-hmm. and also his, how his mother is absent in the, in the overall uh, piece as well, more or less um, her yeah. silence and all of this, which I find really interesting. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those shows I found just again, wildly fascinating because of those things like first of all you said satanic cult and i was like that uh freaking uh forrest gump gift where he's running like i was like oh i have to watch this because like that kind of stuff really fascinates me now uh for the record i don't deal with satan uh i do not deal with occults or cults i i don't play that that's me i don't know thank you but if that's you i respect that you keep that out of our conversations because I don't want to deal with that at all. Um, but do I love watching this stuff? Do I love learning about it? Yes. It's so fascinating to me. So that's why I really like this movie. And, and, and then it has these, it has this black character who, again, it's, it's a, it's your, it's unraveling this mystery, which I find really fascinating. So, and again, I think fast color plays with that as well. It's about, it kind of regresses a little um, because mm-hmm. again, these are who these characters are. Yes. It's the film. The film is not, these characters aren't, dealing with overt racism or even racism like uh, it's I hate it I hate to even say it it's just a story that just happened you have these characters who are black and who mm-hmm. just exp- who are going to experience the world differently but there aren't like for example there aren't any like overt sc- discriminatory practices um of these people like even when she's in the bar when uh, Ruth is in the bar and she's mm-hmm. asking the bartender like the bartender just treats her really does seemingly treat her like she would treat anyone else especially a woman who comes in and says i don't have no money and she was like whatever and then yeah. and ruth was like i can look are you the only person working here I, i'm willing to work for a meal because she's doing what she has to do to survive and um being in this constant survival mode i was just having a conversation with somebody about this this morning about surviving um and doing what you need to do in order to survive. Like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, just future career stuff and you're doing it too. I, which I love that you are like, you aren't working a nine to five anymore and you're really flourishing. You're branching out. It's not easy, but you're really finding your footing. Yeah. It's a, it's a long fought, hard fought road, but you're get, but you're moving towards a better place for you. And this, other uh, phase in your life. And Mm -hmm. I'm still at this crossroads where I still have to work a nine to five that I don't particularly want to. I'm doing it because I have to survive. I'm not doing Mm -hmm. it because I want to. And I was talking to someone about this earlier where this person is encouraging me. This person knows he's, this person is pushing me (laughs) Um, because this person knows that I have a whole lot more to offer than to be some darn 
person doing the job that I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. There's more for me. And completely and and completely and complete understanding that right now it's about survival mode at this particular moment it won't be forever i know that but like you're doing it in order you're doing things in order to survive that you don't want to do and uh uh pe- people regardless of race or uh have to do that on a day on a day on a day-to-day basis um I, I use the other kind of uh, example of there's a comedian who I love. Um, his name is Dante Nero. He's in his fifties. He said he always talks about how his father was born in 1920, and his father comes from a different generation of a black man and a family. He's the youngest of 13 children, something like that. Like, like a lot, he has a lot of brothers and sisters. I don't know if it's 13, but I think that's it's it's in that ballpark. And how he didn't his relationship with him, his relationship with his father was very, it was, um, what's the word? I guess the, it's, it was wrought with conflict because there was, his father was primarily concerned with if I'm doing my job as a father, I'm a good father because you have a roof over your head and you, the essential things you need to be able to grow and live and breathe you have, but not knowing that, you know, children need other need nurturance. They need, they need their particular temperament, temperamental needs met. Cause some, cause every child is different. Is your child sensitive? Is your child, uh, aggressive is your child not in a necessarily bad way just like you know you have a lot of energy um or is your child mm-hmm. an introvert an extrovert an ambivert like all those things that you know kids need they need more than just the tools for survival they also need the tools for being able to thrive and being able to have be- to be able to have the best mental health possible and so these things are more pro- more I'm, I'm guessing more newer concepts look i come from a black family too that was really like survival. Um, yes, you know, looking to like help you thrive and being encouraging, but I still, there was a lot of other things that kind of like was lost in the weeds a little bit because mm-hmm. again, they weren't, our, our parents sometimes weren't given those tools either. So it's kind of like the passing down thing where you don't necessarily know how to parent your child in a certain way. And so I, all that to say, um, I think fast color just, I guess is just kind of prompting these kind of ideas that are kind of coming out with me as well. Cause I think the, the film does a lot of this. Um, it really, again, the core of it is about how generations interact with each other and what can be done in order to kind of unravel those ideas and concepts and how our abilities as people, what, what, what does make us special and how we help each other, I guess. Mm-hmm. To, again, just making making this very simplistic, but there, there it is. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think this world, um, everybody realizes they have to survive. Like, this is not an easy world to live in anymore, you know. Um, the water is not, you know, at your disposal anymore. And, it, yeah, it's just a really interesting concept that, I mean, yeah, these are Black characters and, and Black people have been surviving because my parents too you know they were like yeah you can do these things but just watch it because you're black basically that's how we were raised is that some shit goes down you're the one they're going to look at first so and I've just always had that in the back of my head it's and which is sad but 
it is what it is, right? Because um, it's survival. And, you know, working two, three jobs to feed your family wasn't, it was a thing. It wasn't even a thing. I just figured, oh, you always have to have a couple of jobs or whatever, you know? Yeah. And we didn't talk about this. I want to briefly go over this or how, how, however long you would like to kind of discuss it, but the water, because the environmental disaster, yeah, it's, it's about rain. It's about like water. There's a severe drought. Like there's not even any water to mine. Like you can't just go to a market and get like a case of water or probably can't get any water from their faucets either. I don't think, yeah, we didn't really see any water kind of running in this film, but how water also water plays an important role in uh, Ruth's own trauma, the the experience that she has when she does have a seizure, when she's in bed with, um, with Lila, when she's with Lila as a baby. And yeah, so, and then she has a seizure and it, and the pipes burst and there's water Mm -hmm. everywhere Mm -hmm. and how Lila almost drowns. So and how she was able to kind of see the, see color or see the colors is being able to, again, face that, just face that fear, face that, you know, Lila's still alive. She's still here and just face her, see her, see, you know, you were able to find her in the water and you were able to bring her back and you heard her crying and you saw her. So you saw the life, you saw you within her, you saw how this, this line of very special women were going to continue to go on. Mm-hmm. And so seeing that, like, you're not, don't be afraid of your, your, your true, your true power, I guess was for Ruth. Like, because we're thinking about their literal powers because they have like these su- supernatural abilities. So mm-hmm. it's like water in this, in this movie, while it was scarce, it's water is life sustaining. Like you can't, like I, when I was watching this movie, I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, Leah, like you need like, how many like ounces or, or or liters of water a day in order to like like there's a there's a uh, there's a particular rule for people like you need a certain amount of water a day mm-hmm. that you should that you should be drinking <laughs> um, in order to kind of like up your health like you can find this online obviously so and you're, we're living in a world where water is so scarce I'm like so there's people like not even like like you need water to survive you need to drink it. Um, yeah, yeah, and interesting. Like, I feel like yeah, water is like it, that. That's that gave me anxiety because you do need a lot of this water, and like you see people like you what use like like a like a quarter of a cup of water. She like uh, Bo was like pouring in, th- in their cups when they were sitting at the at the at the uh, at the uh, breakfast lunch dinner table. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. like I was thinking about that. It's like water while life sustaining. Um, you, Ruth's trauma. There's also the trauma of water being also being very dangerous, and how mm-hmm. um, Lila almost lost her life because of water. But also, water is is was what helps us to even survive. I found that interesting. I just wanted to bring that up as a stray observation. Well, no, it's true too because I think water water is life sustaining, and also if you drink too much water, there's something called hydro something or other, and you could die because you have what? too much water. Yeah, it's ah, oh, I can't remember. Some actor died of it. Steve, what? I can't remember. Yeah, but if you drink too much water, you could die. That's and, crazy. Yeah, and then but then I think our bodies are made up of a large percentage of water, right? So it's a part of our 
essence, our being as human beings, we live on a water planet, right? Like this is, this planet is Mm -hmm. made up of water, right? And so it's just really, when you think about it, it's so overwhelming because the thing that this planet is made up of and that we are made up of, we can't access it readily. So, and the fact that Ruth has this power to create almost like it's like a life-giving essence for us, right? So that's a lot. Um, and that's a lot for her to be able to control. So, and to be afraid of. And yeah, I would be afraid too, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a formidable power. So, and yeah, I would be afraid if like, you know, I almost killed my baby. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's a very interesting point that you bring up. Like, it's like that kind of contrast between it. Yeah. This makes me think of, um, uh, this is pre-Abbott Elementary, Quinta Brunson. Um, shout mm-hmm. out to Philly. She's a Philly girl. Um, <laughs> she had a, it's, it was, I think it was on, I think it was on Amazon, but she had like this like sketch show that she had did herself, I believe. I think it was called Quinta Versus. And like, I think one of those segments was like Quinta versus water. And there's this whole thing where she like, hate, like she didn't want to drink water ever. And I think her boyfriend was trying to get her to drink water. <laughs> or like, because they were at like, they it, it started like they were out like having dinner or whatever, lunch. And like the woman asked her if she wanted water and she said, no thanks. And it became a whole thing <laughs> centered around her not liking to drink water. And I totally get it. Um for me, like drinking water, I was just like, oh shoot, I'm getting older. I need to drink water to make sure like, you know, that was, you know, a doctor order essentially to keep things like functioning um, properly as best as they could for now um, to just make sure I constantly am hydrated. Um, also just because um, dehydration, I, I get dehydrated very easily. And because my work hours are insane, especially um, on certain uh, semester schedules, I need to stay hydrated or I'm just not going to be any good. So I just thought that was funny. But yeah, um, water is something. For <laughs> lack of a yeah. For I don't know what I'm saying, but yeah, I mean, I can't believe you can die from having too much water. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, I think because it's your cells get too um uh filled with fluid and uh it's some sort of thing. I should look it up. <laughs> <laughs> posted or something <laughs> not that everybody wants to know that it's too traumatic <laughs> it's funny because i i when i get dehydrated i cannot think um i have to constantly drink water myself and sometimes i forget i i read this tweet um there's a toronto singer and also we call each other um horror wives because she's a an r&b singer in toronto her name's tanika charles and i love her to death she's a a friend of my friend that's how i met her and she put this tweet uh, tweet out she retweeted someone said um you better put some water in that shit before you drink coffee <laughs> because that- it's true i forget and i'll drink my coffee before i have water like it's ridiculous i need to drink water so and my partner he i don't know how he does it. he doesn't drink a lot of water I'm like, are you, are you not thirsty? And he's like, I don't need water. <laughs> That's crazy to me. Yo, like, okay. So f- number one, um, I usually, especially when I'm at work, I'll drink, I'll have a bottle of water and drink my coffee. I'll do both at the same time mm-hmm. or do coffee or do coffee first and then immediately drink water right after. Also, is Tanika Charles, is that the actress from Wrong Turn? 
No, she's a, a singer from Toronto. She's an R&B singer. Oh, okay. Um, so different. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I was, cause I was going to say, is she an R&B singer too? <laughs> I wasn't well, sure. I'm sure she'd be flash. She loves horror. That's how we kind of got like, it. A tweet. I'm like, Hey, this, this, this movie's going, <laughs> I haven't sent her anything in a long time, but she loves horror. And she's like this, you know, gorgeous, like R&B singer. And it's, yeah, I'm very impressed by her horror love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one last thing. Forgive me, I forgot to look for it, but we can look for it now. Um I wanted to bring up I love I'm just going to say it. I really do enjoy how m- music played in this film. Um, yes. I love that uh I do kind of enjoy that her character is an X-ray Specs fan. Yes. I love that a lot. Yep. Um, and Nina Simone and Lauren yes. Hill. And like, I feel like there's a lot of indie. I looked up the music too, actually. I'd made a note about that. And I feel like there's a lot of indie, like anti-establishment music kind of playing, you know, in the background, which is really interesting too. That Yeah, it totally ties into the movie because of who these characters are. They they, they live on the fringes. They're... Um, they have they rep they're represent representative of a punk kind of spirit. Mm-hmm. So like it's funny because that's all I was going to ask if you knew if what uh, Ruth's character if that was tattooed on her inner arm was the polystyrene ad that she mentioned like looking for young punks looking to stick it or something like that. It was written in the back of her truck like in a trunk. It was um, yeah. yeah but was yeah. I, I was curious if it was if it was also was that also tattooed on her? But no, it doesn't oh, matter. But see. yeah, but yeah, that's like. Such an amazing quote, and like, and the polystyrene um, documentary that I yeah. saw last year. You saw it last year too, right? Yes. Ugh. You're totally right, and I love that because, again, so I recently rewatched Afropunk, and everyone needs to see that documentary. And oh, don't do not get me. St- oh my gosh! See, I see. I'm about to go on it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to refrain <laughs> because. Afropunk came out and there was an, there was a message board and a community. We were, we were a community. Like I was a mm-hmm. part of that Afropunk community 1.0, whatever Afropunk the festival has turned into was not see, see it now. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. But anyone wants to talk to me about being a part of like the original Afropunk community Holler at me, but so I'm not going to go there today. But what I loved about the Afropunk doc is that Tamar Kali, who's a fantastic musician, she is mm-hmm. amazing. Look her up, y'all. Um, she talks about in the documentary how she feels like one of the most punk angst people in society or, or, or to ever exist in history was Nina Simone. And I love yes. that. And yep. A lot of people will say, people don't necessarily equate Lauren Hill to punk, but if you think about her trajectory, um, whether, you know, I'd like to imagine that Lauren Hill, to a certain extent, you know, really pushed back on the status quo of the entertainment business. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that move was punk in and of itself of like refuting it. Like, you know, you can question her kind of her, 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 
her decisions uh, spiritually and what she has decided to do for herself in that realm. You can question that or not. That's not the, we're not really getting into that, but it is very much an extension of who she was when she did miseducation and definitely after where she didn't want fame. That's which is fame is very anti-punk. There's a whole no rock stars kind of an ideal there. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. she didn't want to be famous. She just wanted to make music. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, Again, not not fully. I and I will probably argue, and I could be wrong. Her not fully understanding the ins and outs of the music business and money and labor and time, not fully getting that it was probably why she got into hot water with the people who worked on miseducation because mm-hmm. she saw it as a collaborative effort. I've heard issues with the idea that oh shoot oh feeling pressure as a woman in the business because she did sub because she because she did succumb to some of those pressures right some not all mm-hmm. obviously but the idea that you're a woman in this business so putting arranged produced written by you know just you as that solo person putting that as a stamp on your work or on the cover is is that there was a pressure to do that maybe perhaps again i've heard all of these things through the grapevine Mm -hmm. but yeah i but all this to say is that yeah the the punk the spirit of punk is a a very much a through line throughout this film and even brought more to the fold by the affinities of ruth and then she passes it down to lila which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie (laughs) yes oh my god i love that and like and it just made me kind of think, as you're talking about Lauren Hill not understanding the industry, it made me think of polystyrene and like learning about her in that documentary. Mm. And because um, um, my boyfriend's a huge fan of um, X-ray specs, and and I actually bought him. There's a book called um, Dayglow, the polystyrene story. So mm. he really wanted that book, so I got it from. And it's gorgeous, and it's just like her daughter Zoe Bell put together her. Um, writing her art photos diary entries like and then that the i believe the um the uh documentary is an extension of that because ruth nega does the um narration of polystyrene's diary and they get you know uh colleagues and friends and family to talk about her and just like yeah and it's interesting that it's all these black women that are kind of just trying to do their art you know Mm-hmm. So and, yeah, again, it's just black women are everywhere in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kind of telling telling the story. I think that's is this a good place to end. I think it's a good, <laughs> yeah, a nice place to end. Yeah, just telling our stories. Yeah. So that is that's how we really melanate it. Like you know, these really interesting stories that are not perfect, but and but they are definitely worth discussing and kind of talking about. And discovering all of these like themes and the and the inner depth of them all. And again, this is film. Films are these empathy machines, and that's this. We always are going to kind of find a way to see how they how they connect to even our own personal lives. And I think that's why we both love horror. Um, I love um, being kind of like the evil the evil genius when I kind of um, introduce uh, students to horror who not who aren't very (laughs) who aren't familiar with it and I and I want them to open their eyes I've said this numerous times now about what horror really is and about you know 
not everything's going to scare you, but you're going to find that one horror film that's going to tap into something that about you that you're not ready to face. Mm-hmm. And that's in horrors. Its intent is to scare, but it also operates on a level where it's going to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And even even non-horror narratives like this tap into this um, uncomfortable spaces, like the like the idea of secrets and generational cycles that keep continuing. Sometimes that's mm-hmm. scary for people, not, not understanding what they really mean. Um, so, and I think Fast Color operates on a lot of different levels. And yeah, we, I love that it's also plays in, plays in, plays in the sci-fi, fantasy, um, magical realism playgrounds as well. Yeah, absolutely. I love the whole, you know, I, I like, I, I love my sci-fi. Sometimes I just like, I just need to watch a movie with a robot and I don't, I don't know. I don't care if it's good or not, <laughs> but this this really um, is one of my favorite films. I have to say, just uh, for just so much heart and the sci fi element, and seeing these black women just being center stage. Also, I have to say, Sonia Sydney. I love that girl so much. <laughs> I love her. She was in the passage, and she um, also was in King Richard. Um, the Venus and Serena Williams movie. She was so good in it. I feel like people really don't talk about her from that film. They're obviously talking about um, Will Smith and because um, he just he just sucks the air out of every freaking <laughs> proverbial room. Yeah. God, could you get off of his nuts already? <laughs> but she was so good in this movie, and I just love her sweet face and i can't i hope she does more genre stuff because she's just a great she's a great actor she's a great performer so uh that's my wish is to see her in more stuff in more genre yeah 100 percent. i forgive me i forget she was just announced that she was going to be in something else i don't know if it's a sci-fi horror fantasy work but um, we can link that in the show notes. She's gonna. She's she's got other projects that she's doing. So I am glad that she is, you know, continuing to work. And um, it's incredibly difficult to be um, a performer or any sort of person who wants to be in the entertainment business. But it's even. But children are even more delicate. So I'm really hoping that, like all children, I hope that she is, you know, doing okay. Like I hope that she's she's thriving in the best way possible Mm -hmm. because she is really, really talented and she's getting to do a lot of cool and interesting things. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and I have to shout out the cinematographer. His name is Michael Figmaneri, I believe. Gorgeous, Mm. gorgeous Mm -hmm. shots. They shot it in Albuquerque. Stunning. It was stunning. Yeah. I always loved New Mexico. I was able to go there and back, I think back in like 20, shoot, I forget like, uh, (laughs) In the early 2010s, I was able to go there, and it's a really nice place. It really is, and I I love again the, the landscape of it. It's it's not the deep south, but it's also not a coastal city. Mm-hmm. Um, it's someplace that um, I love that that was the setting for this film. Is that where they have the adobe houses? The little is that where they have those? I think so. Yeah, I always want to live in one of those. They look really, <laughs> they look really cool. <laughs> it looks very space age. You know me and my sci-fi, but anyway. <laughs> All righty. So, uh, Ashley, where can people find you? On Twitter at Ashley Takes Note and Carolyn. Uh, you can find me at VFD Pixie on the Twitters. 
Yeah. Um, happy Sundance. If you are watching some stuff from there, I've saw some really great stuff. Uh, happy uh, 2022. Thank you for still listening. Um, hopefully good things will come in the near future. Let's despite, despite everything. Yeah. Trying to stay as positive as possible. And we hope that this podcast, I hope I speak for Carolyn too, Mm -hmm. makes you laugh or makes you seek out these films for sure. 100%. You said it. (laughs) 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 All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye.